1: What is today Wednesday speed of weeks that is the phenomenon that I often mention to you hi everybody good to be with you so here's a story for your uh, edification I, I don't know is edification quite a uh, quite a good point to make I'm not quite sure about uh, Harry's razors and their uh, and how woke they have become Harry's razors CEO brags about treating birthing and non-birthing parents equally leaving socially minded company in viral video so these are these are two i'd say they are these guys are maximum 40 years old The CEO of the company has jettisoned traditional words to describe the gender of parents and instead replaced them with awkward and crude terms. Where is this from? This is from The Blaze. Awkward and crude terms preferred by leftists, all apparently in the name of keeping his company socially minded. Last week, a clip of CEO Andy Katz Mayfield, hyphenated last name, discussing the company's parental leave policy, went viral on social media, mostly because Katz Mayfield never mentions mothers and fathers or moms and dads. I'm I'm pausing because i I'm thinking why does a human being believe that it is a moral an aspect of moral progress to eliminate the terms mothers and fathers from one's vocabulary do you understand how sick this man is morally uh, especially morally that the aside from an arrogance the likes of which is rarely experienced i am prepared to tear down one of the most fundamental moral emotional human categories because i don't i don't think they are worthy of being used anymore the world is a better place he thinks the CEO of Harry's Razors, if we eliminate mom and dad, mother and father. Instead, he brags that at Harry's, which, needless to say, you are hurting society if you get a Harry's razor, any Harry's product. There has to be a point where they all will expect That if they tear down society, society will react, just as they did to Bud Light. They all have to experience their Bud Light consequence. It's like the women's soccer team. Half the country did not root for an American team, like me for the first time in my life, not root for an American team, and I can't imagine that. But if the team doesn't root for America, why should America root for them? I rooted for Sweden. I was very, 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 very happy Sweden won. Because then this team headed by the society-hating Megan Rapinoe uh, has lost. And I was happy for that. Morality trumps nationality. That's, that should be true for every human being. If it were true for Germans, there wouldn't have been a, a Holocaust. But I don't need to go there. I'm just offering you the notion that morality trumps nationality. That's why when the left calls me, as they did at Arizona State University, a white nationalist... The lie is 100%. It's not It's not a little true, partially true. It's just a lie. My entire outlook on life is based on morality, not race or nationality. I feel, let's put it this way, I feel infinitely closer to that Danish woman that I had on the show... Than, uh, than I do to this the American CEO of Harry's Razor. I mean, it, it's so obvious it doesn't need to be belabored. Well, what does he say? He speaks about birthing and non-birthing parents. They're granted four months of leave after a child is born into their family. Wow. To a birthing and non-birthing parent. That the head of uh, Harry's Razors thinks, A, that this will be good for his business, B, that he thinks this is good for society, gives you an idea of the ease with which you can manipulate minds into destructive nonsense. It is as much nonsense as it is destructive. That treats birthing and non-birthing parents equally, he says proudly. Those in the audience soon afterward clap. What audience was it? People will clap for anything because the human does not like to stick out. When I was a junior in college, I was spending a year in England. And as many of you know, I am deeply involved in classical music. And I was studying at the University of Leeds in central England. Geographically, I think they call it northern England, but it doesn't matter. Like we say, northern California is really central California. And I took the four-hour trip to London to go to a concert, and the first piece was a modern atonal piece. Atonal means it doesn't follow any tonality, meaning any key, like happy birthday is in a certain key. But if there is no key, the music is not music. It's notes. And to make things worse, it was a soprano, a female soprano, singing atonally. I thought the, the piece was an assault on my ears. It was about a 10-minute piece. At the end, the audience clapped politely. I understand that. Maybe five people enjoyed it. The rest were clapping because you clap. But then came a moral moment for me, a moral challenge. (laughs) The composer, to the extent that he could be called such a thing, he was called onto the stage. And then I, I couldn't clap. Uh, that was asking for me to lie. And instead, I booed. I actually booed. And the Brits sitting in front of me turned around, shocked, looked at me. Who's this kid booing? And I looked at them, and I said, did you like it? <laughs> they turned around again. <laughs> so when I hear that people clapped after the CEO of Harry's Razors announces that they will no longer refer to mothers and fathers taking leave after the birth of a child, but rather birthing and non-birthing parents, I realize people will clap if they're in an audience. That's what they do. Those in the audience soon afterward clap and Harry's co-founder Jeff Rader sits silently in approval. This equal parental leave policy at Harry's is an example of what Katz Mayfield calls the company's social-mindedness. We also, as a company, have always tried to be sort of socially minded and not just be about bottom line profits. Okay, that's fair. And since I'm not about bottom line razors, I won't buy your product. You can't take a position that is so radical and anarchic and expect us to patronize you. That's simple. I'm Dennis Prager and I return. Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What sets these companies apart and whom can you really trust? This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion. My choice for buying precious metals. When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver or brokers that want to sell you overpriced collectible coins, claiming they appreciate more than gold and silver. What about hidden commissions and huge markups? Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed always have your back. I trust this man. That's why I mentioned him by name. Nick's been in this industry over 42 years and he's proud of providing transparency and fair pricing to build trusted relationships. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed Coin & Bullion 800-221-7694 AmericanFederal.com AmericanFederal.com Time I'm near, whenever I'm down. So I was reading to you about the, uh, the Harry's Razors people. They, they refer to their people as having, uh, as not a, a new mother or a new father, but a new birthing parent or non-birthing parent. This is chaos. You understand this is chaos the ease with which people are brainwashed is very scary, very scary. So you, you, sh- you should understand the last century better, the horrible doctrines that people believed in. If you can believe in a free society, not, not even yet a totalitarian state, if you can believe that there aren't men and women, That anybody can give birth, therefore it is wrong to say a woman has given birth. That women's groups go along with this. How many feminist, so-called feminist groups go along with this? I have lived long enough to see almost everything I have ever held vindicated. I said decades ago feminist groups couldn't give a damn about women and I've been proven right. This is the greatest assault on womanhood in in modern history. Women don't give birth. Anybody does. You're not special. You don't give birth. You're not even a mom. You're a neutered birthing parent. And what feminist group has opposed this? What feminist group has opposed men competing in women's sports? Men being put in women's prisons? where they ogle them, and sometimes even attack them. Can you name the feminist group that has? Can you name a prominent feminist in the Democratic Party who has? They they care as much, leftist feminist groups, which is nearly all of them, care as much about women as leftist black groups care about blacks. That is the way it works. They think they do. There's no doubt in my mind. You can think anything you want. But in fact, like on School Choice, they actually hurt black people. The Democratic Party is bad for blacks. It has always been bad for blacks. From slavery to Jim Crow to the welfare state to defund the police and the present time. I've studied the left all of my life and so I know this. The Bolsheviks didn't give a damn about the worker. They made life infinitely worse for Russian workers in the Soviet Union and wherever the communists took over. In fact, they even banned labor unions. (laughs) It makes you laugh because it is the laugh of bitterness. Chaos. Chaos. These people have empty lives, like the CEO of Harry's Razor. His, he has an empty soul. It is devoid of patriotism. It is devoid of love of country. It is devoid of, of contact with the, the divine. It is devoid of the Bible. It is devoid of religion. It is devoid of church or synagogue. I don't know him, but I would bet on all of those. And so he finds meaning in tearing down. Because it is so easy to tear down, it takes a century to build a cathedral, it takes a minute to burn it down. That is the way life works. Another term for a D is not democrat but destroyers, that's what they do, they destroy. While we're talking about companies destroying the country, Disney partners with Gender Fluid Man to promote Minnie Mouse girls' clothing. Yes, a Gender Fluid Man is now a spokesperson for Minnie Mouse female clothing, a guy in drag, basically. This is what you want your kids to watch. This is what's happened to Minnie Mouse. Minnie Mouse is now a man, but has stayed Minnie. If you go to any Disney place like Disneyland or Disney World, you are helping hurt our society, and especially children the Walt Disney Company partnered with a man who identifies as gender fluid. Do you understand the ability, the ease with which people can embrace, drivel, gender fluid it means nothing. It means you are deeply disturbed and need help badly, not accolades, help. to promote women's apparel on its Disney-style TikTok channel with over a quarter of a million followers. Sean Altman, by the way, it's Sean with two N's. Sean, you have been spelling your name incorrectly all of your life. I think you should change it to S-E-A-N-N. Then we can wonder, is Sean McConnell... Gender fluid. I've been wondering. It's interesting. Yeah. Sean, so what have I not basically labeled you in the course of my radio career? Is there anything I have not? That is a topic for an hour. Your point is well taken. He appeared in a promotional TikTok video for Disney Style. The channel focuses on promoting Disney-inspired makeup and outfit tutorials, do-it-yourself projects, and all things Disney art and fashion. There's also a YouTube channel of the same name with over 530,000 subscribers. Altman believes he is gender-fluid and promoted a Minnie Mouse-themed clothing set with a red dress, yellow pumps, and red hair bow. Altman showed himself getting dressed and applying makeup to ever over 717,000 subscribers. We'll be back. On MyPillow's twenty year anniversary with over eighty million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell at MyPillow, wants to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. You'll receive a queen size my pillow for nineteen ninety-eight regular price is sixty-nine ninety eight and just ten dollars more for a king size. You'll receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products, such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their other amazing products you had your eyes on. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio slash podcast square and use promo code Prager to receive this amazing offer on the queen-size MyPillow for $19.98 or call 800-761-6302. This offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60 day money-back guarantee, it's time to start getting the quality sleep you deserve. So, go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 today. I'm Dennis Prager. This is Fundraising Month for Prager U. Florida has now announced that it will allow Prager U videos in classrooms, and the left has really gone crazy. Typical was one piece yesterday. Again, this is a lie that they spread, that that we have a video that denies that slavery was what the Civil War was about. It is a 100% lie. This is one of the oldest videos at PragerU. And the whole point is that it was about slavery, which ironically, some people on the right don't agree with. But the left lies because truth isn't a left-wing value. the The issue is to rip apart your opponents, and if it, if you, lying is simply one of those methods, so this is fundraising month for PragerU. We feature most days we feature a young person who's a member of Prager Force, and I have on the line Mark Yurel Y. YI. Hello. Hi, Mark. Hello, Mr. Frazier. Good Uh, to finally meet you. Well, it's an interesting question if this is meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Good to talk to you. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, We are meeting, and it is a joy. So, where were you from originally?
2: So... Uh, I'm from a couple different places. So I grew up outside of Boston, Massachusetts, but me and my mom uh, immigrated from the Philippines. I was originally born in Manila. Uh, my mother's Filipino. My dad uh, grew up outside of Boston. I immigrated here when I was less than a year old, and I grew up in the North Shore, north of Boston. Uh, but I'm currently living in Los Angeles. I moved here two years ago uh, because, uh, I thought, you know, lockdowns and less freedom sounded, and high crime and high prices sounded great. I didn't get enough of that in Massachusetts. Uh, no, but totally I totally understood. I get that. <laughs> no, but I, I joke, but I, I, as, as with all the problems in this state, I came here for a bunch of different reasons. I visited before the lockdown, I think in 2018, uh, and I fell in love with the area, the land the weather, the people, um, you know, I just I remember just walking around the street and, you know, people like people asking me for like, oh, you a photographer. Oh, like you need help getting directions. Like people were much friendlier than I, uh, I anticipated. And on top of that, I just uh, when I was looking to move out on my own around uh, t- my 25th birthday, um, I was just thinking about all the different places in the country that I'd have the best shot in. Uh, I have a large alumni network out here. Uh, I want to get into the industry. And um, I also have a, a good handful of friends from college. And like I said, I fell in love with it uh, when it came out. So I, I decided to pack myself up. I uh, came here in May of 2021, and it's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And uh, I have actually Prager Force to thank for that because when I joined at the end of 2021, beginning of 2022, Uh, So it's been a little over a year now. Uh, It's connected me with some of my best friends that I've made in L.A., who have also connected me to other friends, like-minded individuals that remind me I'm not totally crazy. And um, it's really been a boon. So that's why I wanted to come out onto the show today and uh, help spread the word for Prager Force, because I genuinely love uh, the community, and uh, I wanted to help support it. Wow, what a great story.
1: By the way, do you speak Tagalog? (laughs)
2: Uh, i can say uh hello thank you and a couple words i shouldn't say on the radio
1: (laughs) that's funny so your parents (laughs) obviously spoke english to each other yes 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 yeah i was curious curious about that so Mm -hmm. oh yes but you came out here you came did you come out here with your mother is that what you said i came out to america with my mother oh to your oh i see so your dad stayed in, in in the philippines
2: no, no. So my uh my parents, my family's all in Boston, but I moved out to California on my own. Okay, Gotcha. So uh
1: how did you discover PragerU?
2: I have discovered them through YouTube. I've been watching you guys since I was in high school. Uh wow. so it's wow. what like 10 years now Yeah, well, over 10 from years. From the beginning. probably. Yeah, I remember uh during economic, AP economics class, uh, everyone was in front of a computer. I would sometimes, one of the things i do, I'd watch uh, PragerU videos at times. Um, uh, Sabrina told me to mention my favorite one. It's, I admit it's been a minute since I've watched some videos, but um, uh, my favorite one I can remember was the one from uh, the, the ambassador from South Africa when he traveled to Israel. To, uh, the video on yes. whether or not Israel is an apartheid state. I just thought that was... I thought that was very powerful. And I, me as a comedian, probably my sense of humor, quite hilarious that a, a guy from apartheid Africa goes to Israel where everyone says it's an apartheid state. And he's like, guys, it's not. That's terrific. You, I, I,
1: I'm very happy to hear that. Hold on with me. Okay. And you folks, please uh, contribute to prageru.com. Hey, everybody, the male female hour because it is Wednesday. Get it? Wed, as in wedding. So we have the second hour of Wednesday devoted to the most honest talk I know of in the media about men and women. By the way, if there is more honest talk, I would not be envious, I would not be resentful, I would actually be happy. I am more concerned with having these things dealt with honestly and helping people and their marriages and their relationships than I am in being the number one. Number one has never been my pursuit. My pursuit has been to do as much good as I could. Anyway, enough of that. I have a a topic for you. I've thought about this all of my life. How do you choose the right person to marry? There are many answers to that. And here has been my answer for decades. This is not a new insight. And I would like you to react to my theory... And if you have your own, I will react to yours. Then here goes. With the understanding, by the way, there are no guarantees in life. Everything could be excellent, it could meet all the criteria that I mention and you mention, and still not have a marriage workout. Okay? There is an element of luck. I have to say that at the outset. My parents were together 72 years. That's amazing. They were married, no, they were married, sorry, 73 years. They were married 69. They dated for four. They were together 73 years. They were in love for 73 years. Not bad. Not bad. And I thought at the time, that is watching their marriage, which I got to do much of my life, that they were lucky. First of all, they married, they met when I think they were 18 and 17, respectively. They met as teenagers. When you start dating in your teens or early 20s and that is the person you marry and it works out, you're you're lucky. You're not only lucky, you have also been mature enough to make the commitment to marriage, but there's a lot of luck. Casemiente é te lotaria. I think that's somewhat correct Portuguese. I can't believe this, that... It was really the only Portuguese that I ever knew. I I now know obrigado and que oração, and that's pretty much it. And why do I know that phrase, which means marriage is a lottery? My father went twice a year to Brazil on business he was the accountant of a big firm down there. So he went for about a month at a time. This is a long trip. And he came back once. I, I believe I must have been nine or ten years old. And I, I don't know why, to this day, I don't know why. This remained in my memory. He brought back a record of Brazilian songs. One of which was, casimiente ete loteria. I, that's, I'm close, but I don't know if I get a cigar. Which means marriage, Casimiente, ete is loteria, a lottery. I, As I said to you, I don't know why, especially at that age, that would have so made an impact on me. That I would remember even the, the Portuguese words for it, but for whatever reason, it made a permanent impact and it was right. To a certain extent, marriage is a lottery. You don't know if you've gotten winning numbers. The difference is you know if you have a winning or losing number in a real lottery very, very quickly may take decades to know that you've lost the lottery in a marriage. So let me make this clear at at the outset. There is an element of luck in whether or not a relationship works. Yes, I know you can work at it and you go in with your eyes wide open and I am an advocate of all of that. But if you deny that there is an element of luck, as there is in all of life, if you drive home tonight and you haven't been hit by another driver, there is an element of luck. Somebody will be. No reason shouldn't be you or me. Okay, so now that we've established that, Here are my thoughts on how to choose a spouse. Sean, this has been a long time. The trumpeter might have died, which would be very sad, or the drubber also might have passed away. But if either of them is still living and has his or her instrument handy, I would like a either drum roll or trumpet fanfare. Mm-hmm. Eh. Eh. Nah, it was good, but... Okay. I think that you should marry with three parts of you you should choose with three parts of you and I, it's important that i explain this brain heart and erotic zones you should you, those three must be this is my belief the three must be present but 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 this is a big but they do not have to be in equal proportions it doesn't have to be thirty-three and a third, thirty-three and a third, thirty-three and a third, which in any event, what does that equal? Yeah, it equals one hundred, right? No, no, ninety-nine point nine. No, it, it, yeah, we're we're okay with that. Ninety-nine point nine. They all have to be present, but they don't have to be present in equal amounts. The in, the intellectual meaning your brain has to be a big part, the erotic and the emotional. If the person, if you can check off all three categories, you have a good chance. And in other words, if it's, an amazing intellectual companionship. And the other two, the heart and the eros, are, are absent. It probably won't work. It, look, it might. Different strokes for different folks. 1 a Prager 776 877 243 How do you react to my suggestion? And do you have a different approach to how you would advise people to choose a spouse? We return, male-female hour.
3: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free.
0: You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth.
3: Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400.
0: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: Casamento loteria. Pra que, pra que que eu vou casar? I can't believe it! He got it!
0: Casado só tem conta pra pagar!
1: Casamento e loteria! Casamento e loteria! Maybe Edna's not there. Wow, I got the chills. You realize I heard this when I was about nine years old. Can you see the year of this uh, song? I'm very curious. That, that would uh, interest me. You know how much that record would be worth today? Is that what it says? 1957? It says nine years old. I got it right. I'm very happy about that because, uh, you know, I'm going to be writing my autobiography, which is tentatively titled, Life with Sean loteria. All right, I've given you my thoughts on how to choose a spouse. One eight Prager seven seven six. What advice have you given to you? Have you, or have you not, even given any advice to young people with regard to how to how to choose a spouse? See, for example, I hear very often from people: you have to share values. I couldn't agree more. That is correct. You do have to share values. But that's not enough. That's 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 in the brain part. Remember brain, heart and nether regions. All have to have a role in choosing a spouse. Doesn't have to be equal amounts, but they all have to be present. That's the way I advise it. That's why people say, when I hear it a lot, "I oh, you just got to share values. Not just. You have to share values, but not just that. 1-8 Prager 776. All right, let's see. Cool. Jim, wow, Jim in Atlanta. Hello.
4: Hello, Dennis. Hi. I agree that luck is a big part of it, as well as a shared values. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 57 years. We started out 10 years before that in high school and met uh, through a church, church activities, teenagers and became best of friends and so i think uh, the brain had a lot to do with that because we became best of friends through mutual activities and sharing the values through church activities so uh, that's the way it's and then i have to admit uh, there became a little bit of uh, i guess as we grew, grew older and better friends so a little bit of friends with benefits type thing came into play and the erotica perhaps kicked in somewhat. And then uh, later on, as we developed uh, our pursuits, uh, you know, through college and through uh, military and that kind of thing, we stayed in touch. And ultimately, uh, about nine years after we first met and never having dated, we uh, decided that due to circumstances that uh, we were I, I didn't like the relationship she had, she told me about, and I said, why don't we get married? And she said, well, this is out of the blue. Uh, and I said, well, we know we love each other, we just never said it. And therefore, uh, she said, well, let me think about it. Three weeks later, she had thought about it, she wrote me, and uh, said she'd marry me. So that's... I guess the essence of love came into play and over time, the last 57 years, I've learned to say, uh, yes, dear, you're right, dear, and even get me inflection right. So,
1: That's funny. Well, Larry, great story. Thank you kindly. Appreciate that call. I, by the way, uh, this is not to take issue. It sounds like he has a wonderful life with his wife. I just need to register because of my uh, almost uh, passionate concern with being open. I am not of the yes, dear uh, belief, (laughs) just want to say. A lot of guys say that. I know it's somewhat tongue-in-cheek, and I appreciate that. But... I I need to do a male-female hour on the is yes, dear, what a woman wants. That's a good one. i got to write that down. Is yes, dear, what a woman wants. 1-8-Prager-776. I'll tell you what is a a big deal. People who start as friends, that is a very good sign. From my non-scientific experience... With speaking with people about good marriages, starting out as friends. Not, so to speak, dating, but starting out as friends. Okay, Let's see here. All right. Alfonso in Sacramento, California. Hello.
3: Dennis, I love your show. How are you?
1: Thank you. Well.
3: Good. So I don't know if you saw my quote there, but I should have ran a credit check and I should have done a background check before I ever got married.
1: That's hilarious.
3: And I would, I, I would, yeah, I would recommend it because you know the love, the lust, all that, the heart, the compassion. The same, we all had that. But uh, I was into a uh, surprise when I went to get an apartment and I failed the credit check. You know, and that's when the cat came out of the bag. Wait, you
1: failed the credit
3: check? No, she did. Oh,
1: she, she did. had horrible right, okay. credit.
3: Oh, uh huh. Yeah, and then she defaulted on some uh, loans that she took out with her mom and never told me. So wow. I ended up cleaning all that up. But I mean, we're still married and we made it. But I would recommend—I tell everybody I know—run a credit check and a background, and then fall in love.
1: <laughs> this is why I love doing this. What do you recommend? There's a good... That, I had not thought of that. I didn't run a credit check on my wife. Hmm. Back in a moment.
0: The Dennis Prager Show.
1: Hey, everybody. Dennis Prager here. <laughs> I'm laughing. It, it, the the number of of Americans who who live in La La Land uh, is uh, is upsetting. I there is a piece in the New York Times. Is today August ninth? Yes, it's today it's today's New York Times. A piece, guest essay. Okay, this is truly something, my friends. It is by a woman named Erica Berry. She's the author of a book titled Wolfish, Wolf Self and the Stories We Tell About Fear. Hmm. She lives in Portland. Ah, that's, that's a help. I read this column twice. I didn't understand it the first time, and I didn't understand it the second time but there are snippets worthy of bringing to you as a view of life this is a woman who is dating to her credit she actually wants to marry and marry a man i am i when i say to her credit it's that she wants to marry that's good i'm very very glad all right so uh she I'm going to read to you just a few snippets here about the difficulty in dating that she is having. In the last year, I've started dating again. She broke up with her boyfriend during COVID. This time, I'm swallowing my fear of sounding too anxious. Now, you, you want to know, what is she too anxious about? You know what, Sean, I'm going to test you. This woman, I assume she's like in her, I don't know, I have, I have no basis, I'd say middle, late 30s. She doesn't want to sound too anxious on a date. What do you think her anxiety is about? No, 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 no. I don't need the sound effect from you. I need a guess from you. Yeah, that's correct. Do you you have a thought? Now, are you saying that as a joke or are you saying that because you think it might be true? I am very curious. So he's, okay. So he said global warming... And when in response to my question, he said, it is hard to get through the day without anxiety about global warming. You are right. (laughs) He's he's hysterical. He is ecstatic. (laughs) It is. It's about global warming. Ladies and gentlemen, how many normal Americans are left? There's no question, if you are normal, I'm talking now psychologically, if you are normal, you are in a minority of Americans. And if you are young and normal, you are rare. This is printed in the New York Times today. This is a guest, what is it called? Essay, what was the word here? Guest Guest essay, is that right? Yeah, guest essay. Or if you combine them, guest essay. In the last year, I've started dating again. This time, I'm swallowing my fear of sounding too anxious. And I'm talking about climate change early on. Let me say that if I were single, if I were young and single, and I were on a date with a woman, And she started in on climate change, I would know immediately, this woman is not for me. I am not for this woman. Almost every day it comes up the ease with which people can be brainwashed. Climate change is an example the anxiety that has been built up because they have not been told they've been not they've been prohibited from being told anything other than this you will die of heat this is this is priceless she's now decided that I uh, I am going to conquer my fear of sounding too anxious and will talk early on in my dating of a man about climate change I must say I got to say as a guy that 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 turns me on If there's anything that turns on a guy it's climate change talk She she knows Actually, she should, because if she meets a man who is as anxious about climate change as she is, hey, that 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 might be made in heaven. Then we play our Portuguese song. Got to keep you got to keep that on the uh, on the useful list, along with uh, the loneliest monk. You know why the monk is lonely, by the way? He has gone into a cave where it's always cool and does not have to experience climate change. I continue with the New York Times piece today. After all, it is hard to fall in love with a person. Now, it's so interesting. I guess it's a person. I guess she's talking about anybody. Okay, fine. If we are not also falling in love with the future we want to create together, okay. So let me understand something. You want to fall in love? I I, I can I I subscribe to that. You want to fall in love with the future you wish to create together? Okay, good. So normally in much of human history that was thought of as do we want to make a family do we do we want to raise our kids with a religion big the big questions what does it have to do with climate change we have to fall in love with the future we want to create together So how does climate change come in? That happens whatever your plans are. I, I anyway, I don't I don't I didn't follow that. Okay. I don't approach these conversations with an agenda or as a quiz. But that's not true. I, of course she does. What if the guy says climate change? Mm, not particularly worried about it. There are bigger problems in this world. Of course, it's, I don't know why she says that. Of course, she approaches it with an agenda. By the way, there's nothing wrong with having an agenda. Absolutely. And I think it's a service to the men she dates that she does open up in one of the first dates about her anxiety over climate change. And I'm not being at all sarcastic. But I have found that talking about how global warming affects our lives, however casually, becomes a sort of canary in the coal mine for learning about a person's broader beliefs and behaviors. Okay, let me just say there are a few problems with that sentence. She doesn't really mean however casually. She says talking about how global warming affects our lives, however casually. But if the guy said, I got to tell you, climate change affects my life only casually, she wouldn't want him. So that's not an honest statement on her part. I think she's so profoundly confused, as is the New York Times. That's that's the point I will make. But you you don't know how great this gets because you know my favorite thing is to read comments. The most popular comments on any given article from New York Times subscribers. We continue. I'm reading to you a... What's the best adjective? Weird? No. Weird is not the best. Not weird. Convoluted. It's a woman writing a, a, a whole column in the New York Times, a guest essay, guest essay, on her dating life and how she—I guess it's partially—she's debating how much does she allow her anxiety over climate change to affect her dating life. Yes, indeed. Makes you want to be young and single again, doesn't it? You could date such people. Ah, to have had a date. Actually, if I could go in a time machine to that age and have a date with this woman, I I would love it. Because I would like to see her reaction, her reactions. When I would say, well, I've got to tell you, I I don't think it's that big a deal. There are fewer people dying from heat than cold. There are fewer people dying from heat or cold than ever before in recorded history. We will figure out how to deal with it just like the people in the Netherlands figured out how to deal with rising seas. And in the meantime, we are bankrupting Western civilization and acting spectacularly irrationally by opposing nuclear power. And the making of lithium batteries for electric cars is morally problematic to say the least and hardly good for the environment. What would you like to order for dessert? Okay, we continue. So, she is uh, talking about, I think, how much does she talk about climate change on dates? So she writes, as I read to you, I don't approach these conversations with an agenda or as a quiz. It's not true, and by the way, you certainly can approach dates with an agenda and a quiz. There is nothing wrong with that. But I found that talking about how global warming affects our lives, however casually. Uh, oh, I may, oh, maybe however casually is how she talks, not how climate change affects her life. I get it. Maybe. I, I don't know which one it is. See, it's not clear writing. Becomes a sort of canary in the coal mine. I don't know if that's the right use of that analogy, the canary in the coal mine. The canary in the coal mine is miners take canaries down because the reason is they die when there are noxious fumes in the mine, poisonous fumes, but that are not noted by the miner. So they know you better leave because the canary died. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure what that use is here, but okay. For learning about a person's broader beliefs and behaviors. That is true. Absolutely. If a person tells you they are really, really worried about Climate change, you probably know their views on every other major subject. They also probably believe men give birth. The odds are overwhelming that they do. Isn't it fascinating how these things go hand in hand? Whatever side you're on, isn't it fascinating? How black and white they see the world. Oh my God, is that projection? Wait a minute, you don't see the world in black and white? with regard to climate change? Hmm. And how, how's that? How they view their role in the community, how they engage. Ah, engage. It's a giveaway. How they engage with science and systemic inequality. <laughs> how did systemic inequality get into this piece? <laughs> but she's right again because if you're preoccupied with climate change you also believe that systemic inequality not just inequality systemic is a horror incidentally so did the communists and then and they built a society where just about everybody could suffer that was systemic suffering then she talks about guys she's dating, and she writes, I was put off by the guy who quipped that only quote-unquote dumb people were still having children. That's nice. She was put off by that guy. Wow. Wow. I admit, I admit, these people are not in my life. I don't know anybody personally who believes that only dumb people have children. I do know many people who believe that only dumb people think that because of climate change, you should not have children. What else? There are some gems. This is, again, the New York Times. The hydra of COVID-19 and climate disaster. Ooh. It's now gone from climate change to climate disaster. Has given us a collective experience of loss. Well, yep. Though effects are magnified by social and racial inequity. Notice we've now switched the left to switched language again. From inequality to inequity. There's a big difference. Inequality is equality, inequality before the law. Inequity is any result, no matter how fair the process. I don't understand why these people are not profoundly anti-sports. It's the ultimate inequity. How many people make a major league team in any sport? That's inequity, is it not? Ah, but the highlights are yet to come. The comments of the New York Times readers. The Dennis Prager Show. My dear friends, this is really an insight into the mind of the lost sheep of the left. The New York Times, its editors, and its writers... This woman is writing about her dating life. The article is profoundly convoluted. I'm reading to you select portions for you to uh, get an idea of what uh, what she writes. And then I can't wait to read to you the New York Times Reader's reaction. The hydra of COVID-19 and climate disaster has given us a collective experience of loss. What does that mean? We lost our minds, but I don't think that's what she meant. Oh yes, though effects are magnified by social and racial inequity, nobody has been immune. Mm -hmm. Every first date I've been on has included a conversation about the pandemic because we all have a story about how we made it through. That is interesting. I'm going to ask Julie when she goes on a date, do they talk about how they went through the pandemic? I, I can't answer that. I'm not dating. Uh, It's a worthy conversation. I'm not, this is not a part I'm knocking. But what if the guy says, you know, the lockdowns were uh, utterly irresponsible, utterly. It ruined vast numbers of people's lives, set back children for the indefinite future, crushed businesses. While propping up giant businesses, middle-class restaurants were put out of business, but giant stores, they were allowed to stay open. Target got richer. Joe's hardware store went out of business. What if the guy said that to her? (laughs) No, my favorite. How about this? You know, I was listening to the Dennis Prager show. And I heard him say, (laughs) it may well be it would induce nausea in this woman. Okay, all right, let's see. Chatting about climate change within the first few dates might not be standard yet. But the issue, listen to this. This is how bad it's getting. The issue was the number one concern for OkCupid daters in 2022. OkCupid is a big singles dating site. The number one issue, the number one concern was climate change. With a 368% increase in environmental and climate change related terms on profiles over the last five years. This is another example of the emptiness of so many young people's lives. This is it. Your number one concern is climate change. After noticing that young users increasingly cared about the climate, Tinder, which is a dating site as well, but known for one-night stands, released a new campaign Featuring a rendering of two people holding hands, before a giant monster made of trash. I can't make this stuff up. I got to see that picture. I would I I would go on Tinder just to see that picture. Sean, join Tinder, will you? send me that picture. I don't think those daters just want a partner who believes in global warming. We want someone willing to grapple with it. Ah, it's not enough to talk about global warming in her dating world. You have to grapple with it to do the inconvenient work. Okay, next trigger word of a leftist. We have to do the work of reimagining Oh, they reimagined so much. Reimagining is the essence of leftism. By the way, I mean it. Our own lives in the face of it. But what has changed in her life till now? In 1990, Al Gore said we had 12 years. Has she had to reimagine her current life? How has it changed in the last 20 years? because of global warming. I don't think you realize what a little love I'm Finishing this piece and then I want to give you some of the reactions of New York Times readers. This is a sign of our times. But it's a sign for many reasons, not just the obvious her preoccupation with climate change and in her dating life how it should play a role. Okay, so we want someone willing to grapple with it to reimagine our own lives in the face of it. That's talking about mental date, and the it is climate change. It's not just about when or whether to have a baby, because global warming and pandemics go hand in hand. Really, did you know that? I didn't. How did they go hand in hand? Did hot climates have less COVID? Yeah, I think they did. They should have had more if they go hand in hand. I, I don't even know. She hasn't developed the point. I have no idea what she's talking about. But anyway, the progression of the first may increase the likelihood of the second. Really, the progression of climate change May lead to pandemics. Okay. It seems likely that new long term relationships could include both prolonged periods of staying inside and snap judgments about hitting the road. You understand that? I think, let's see, staying inside because there'll be pandemics, so you have to stay locked down and snap judgments about hitting the road. I see. Your future may involve. Fleeing where you live because of climate change. I guess that's what she means. Finally. I see now that it was not only conversations about our planet's future that I struggled to have with my ex. It was conversations about our own future too. Okay, that's fair. It can be easy to feel as if the question As whether to have children, like rising sea levels, will be dealt with down the road. Okay. This is heavy-duty stuff. Now, there are 447 comments. This is today's New York Times. I just want to read to you a few. Again, remember, these are New York Times subscribers. You can't comment if you're not a subscriber. Here's a terrific one. (laughs) Not all of the New York Times readers found this column particularly impressive. Henry, Belmar, New Jersey, eight hours ago. Climate change is a real problem that needs to be solved. That said, what a dour outlook on life. People in the waiting room of an oncology clinic would give anything to have the topic of this piece be the biggest challenge in their lives. A New York Times subscriber writing such a commonsensical thing. You gotta have a pretty, pretty easy life. To be preoccupied with climate change. Like Greta Thunberg. The perfect example. Swedish, middle class. What does she have to worry about? So she fills her life with angst over climate change. That's what it is. Believe me, very, very few people in poor countries are walking around worried about climate change their leaders might be because they want to extort money from the west but that's a separate issue here's another beauty bastion in boston seven hours ago you sound fun (laughs) (laughs) it was worth it just for that comment the world has been ending for every generation since humans realized we are mortal. <laughs> That's exactly right. I can't believe this guy lives in Boston. He sounds like a conservative. Oh, God, that was precious. See, did I mark up any more here? I, th- I thought I did, but I can't find them now. Yeah. There are a lot of people, uh, believe it or not, who uh, found this to be a bit silly. A lot of them agreed with her, of course. Here's one I just randomly picked. JRK, New York, six hours ago. Was this an opinion piece or a personal therapy session? (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. In the 60s, it was, don't have kids because of nuclear war. Then it was, we'll run out of food. Then it becomes climate change. It's called a fear of relationship. Very good. You know, it gives you hope. These are New York Times readers. Well... Yes. There's been a lot of pushback against this column. So here's another one from Boston. I am disagreeing with much of the pushback against this writer. Her point is not a matter of simple differences between partners. You like opera and I like pro wrestling, for instance. We are talking about a threat that all of us are going to be grappling with for the rest of our lives. The same way I would have been troubled being in a relationship with someone who said that 9-11 was a hoax, I would have a problem with someone who either did not acknowledge the issue or someone who was completely apathetic or tuned out. That's correct. And I would have a problem with someone who's obsessed by it. I thought you'd find this snippet into young people interesting.
4: Get to me the sooner or later. I'll keep
1: There's a, another response to this piece in the New York Times. I'll share with you. It is actually fascinating to me, the number of New York Times subscribers offering their opinion and dumping on this woman, which she deserves. I don't mean she's a bad person. She's another bored, affluent Westerner. Remember, secularism plus affluence equals boredom. Boredom is a major factor in human behavior. And she has filled this boredom of the soul with anxiety not over evil but over global warming there's an this is an absolutely absurd work of pithy bourgeois left anxieties and the attendant need by certain people to cram them into every aspect of their lives. It's from Daniel in Wisconsin. It is at least more measured and rational than the piece published in March. This one, I didn't see this one. Listen to this. In that in that one, the writer broke up with her boyfriend because he would not replace a kerosene lamp. You know how lucky that boyfriend is? He should thank God, the God he probably doesn't believe in, that he didn't replace a kerosene lamp and she broke up with him. But the way climate anxiety has become the secular liberal eschatology, this is a New York Times reader who understands that the crisis is secular-induced, Wow, yes, it's the secular, liberal eschatology. Eschatology is, if you will, theology of the, of the future, of, of the, the hereafter, of the end of times, whatever term you wish to use. It is obvious that our lives will be affected, but it seems in the absence of any glaring material difficulties, this particular class of people would prefer to spend their time thinking about an apocalypse that will almost certainly not arrive in the way they think it will. That's right. You agree with us? Please help PragerU spread these ideas to young people. It's fundraising month, PragerU.com.